So as you gave in the offering this morning, as I said, Pastor Steve is away. He's down in um, uh, North Carolina, and he'll be back next week to uh, continue the series. Last week, he was talking about what love is. And the funny thing about the topic, what love is, everybody seems to be awake last week. Because anytime you talk about love, people say, oh, yes, love, love. And, and, um, and so when we, when, when we were thinking about this morning, he, he asked me if, he, if I could do the opposite of what he did last week. So he did what love is. He asked me to do what love is not. And I said, whoopee. I get to talk about what love is not. I don't know about you, but the reality of it is this. You can have a great job. You can be making fabulous money. You can go on fabulous vacations. But let me tell you something. When your love is messed up, everything is messed up. Because there's something about love that runs our life. And if we don't get it right, I don't care how much you have, it doesn't matter. Some people don't even want to go home if love is not in the right place. And so a lot of times when I, see, when I talk to people, I say to people all the time, uh, the reason why I sometimes think we mix up love, uh, even as Christians, is that we don't understand the love of God that's on the inside of us. The reality is that the love of God on the inside of us is supposed to affect every other kind of love. But if your love of God is not strong, and if you're not doing things with the right motives and the right reason, everything gets up in the air and, and, and everything becomes a mess. And when I was studying and getting ready for uh, this, this topic this morning, I, I, I looked up all kinds of things. Do you know there's all kinds of opinions on the, on the website that talk about love? P people are talking about all kinds of things. Now people say, well, when you bring a box of chocolates, that's, that's, that's love. You bring a girl rose. I mean, that's love. If you can sing to her, baby, <laughs> you're my knight in shining armor, and I love you. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, he loves me. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He knows you know how to define love, so if, if he can wrap you and it's cool and slick with you, if he can get what he wants, then the following week he, he says he will be singing, What love got to do, got to do with it? And you, and you pouring your heart out, and he said, Yeah, yeah. And, and, and this thing of love is so powerful that when it's good, it is spectacular. But when it's bad, it stinks. And emotions get affected. Uh, uh, people get distressed and depressed and I can't eat, I can't sleep, I, 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 I'm feeling nauseous, I'm feeling sick. And, 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 and because why? He left me. So this morning, we're going to be talking about what love is not. What love is not. And, and, and there are so many things that we could say uh, about this that 
I, I had to narrow it down to about three things. Three things. Now, let me just say this as I get started this, uh, this afternoon. This, the definition and what we're going to be talking about th- this afternoon only applies to Christians. So if you don't want to be a Christian, that's fine. You don't have to, you don't have to listen. In fact, you can leave right now, actually. You don't have to listen to anything that's going to be said this morning. But, I, but listen to me carefully. After your heart has been broken enough times, after you have been used enough, after people have taken, for, taken you for advantage enough, there comes a time in your life that you get so sick and tired that you want to say to yourself, no, I'm not a piece of meat. I have a heart, I have feelings, but I want to be doing things God's way. And I want to stop, to do, I want to stop doing things my way. So my suggestion to you this morning, especially if you are 18 to 40, But especially if you're 18 to 27 and you're not yet married. Then you still have an opportunity. If you're married already, (laughs) open your heart out. We may find something here today. But the reality of it is this. There are so many things that happen and people get into so many uh, things that you don't have to. You don't have to. If you listen to what God says and you trust what God says, love is not a song. Love, love is not chocolate and everything and, 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 and give me the world. No, that's not love. And last week, Pastor Steve was talking about the three kinds of love. He talked about the eros love, which is the sexual love. He talked about the filio, which is the friendship love. And he talked about agape, which is the, which is the God kind of love. And in a relationship, you need all three. All three. And so if you're related, if in, in the area of love, if you are so shallow that the only thing you look at is the outside of a person, you are bound to get hurt. Pastor, he is, he is, he's tight. His muscles pop and pop and pop. He's got six packs. And, 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 but listen to me carefully. That six packs will eventually go to four packs. It will eventually go to two packs. And then you really get cute, you'll get one pack. <laughs> and the heiress love will only take you to the eight packs. And the agape love will get you to six packs. But the agape love will get you to one pack. But before you can learn love in a relationship, you have to learn love that comes from God. And the God kind of love will keep on loving even when people are unlovable. You say, well, pastor, that's impossible. That's why when I research some of these things, some of these people are saying, uh, love is not unconditional. Why? Because in your own human strength, you cannot love the way God calls us to love. That's why the way God calls us to love, he only calls Christians to love this way. And if you try to mix up the the world's definition of love and the biblical love, you'll get yourself in a mess. And so we're going to go through a a couple of things this morning, and and, and I want you to follow along in, in, in your Bible when we get to the scriptures, but 
But the first thing I want to talk about is what love is not. So point number one. Love is not effortless. It takes effort. Love is not effortless. In other words, you cannot, you cannot love the way God wants us to love and, no, and put no effort in your ability to love people. A lot of love in the world right now is so, is so self-centered and selfish, and, and it's, if you love me, I will love you. If you do something good for me, I will do something good for you. But the Christian is not called to love that way. The Christian is called to be a Christian every day of the week, 24 hours a day. And if we learn what it means to be a Christian and walk in the love of God, it will help us in our relationships. Love is not, effort, love is not effortless. The reality of it is it takes work. It takes work. It takes loving people that don't look like you. It's easy to love beautiful people. It's easy to love people that have money. It's easy to hang out with people that will do something for you. It's a lot harder to love people who can give you nothing in return. But that's the kind of love that Christ calls us to love. And a great example of that is in the story of the Good Samaritan. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin at verse 30. So our first point we're making is love is not effortless. In other words, if you don't put effort into it, it won't work. If you don't take the Christian principles from the Word of God and apply them, they won't work. And the story of the Good Samaritan is an idea story of, of Jesus talking about a, a, a man that was traveling from Jerusalem to, uh, to Jericho and he fell among thieves. In our modern term, we could say that it was a guy that was traveling from Valley Stream to the Bronx. Boogie down Bronx. And as he walks down in through Bronx, he gets jumped and beaten to the inch of his life. And while he's laying down there on the floor bleeding, a pastor comes by. And you would think the man of God would stop. But the Bible says the pastor passed by him and left him there. Because the, the real kind of God kind of love, it will cost you something. It's everybody can be a Christian in church. Everybody can be a Christian in church. It's when you leave church... Can you be a Christian outside of these walls? The God kind of love is able to love people. You can, you can tell when you love people when you can invite them over to your house. Well, pastor, I, I, don't, I don't... When you can walk with people, when you can live with people, because sometimes the people that God calls you to love are unlovable. Sometimes the people that call you to love are not of your same color or race or creed or nationality. But here's the thing you and I need to remember. Everything God does in the life of a Christian is always to test us to see what kind of Christian you are. 
So the pastor comes by and passes, and, and he didn't do anything. Uh, let's say the worship, te- the worship leader comes by. Another person who is in the church comes by, and he looks at the man on the ground and keeps on going. Because that man can do nothing for me. Why should I help him? And then a Samaritan comes. The Samaritan can represent anybody. A Samaritan could represent an Hispanic man going to minister to a white Caucasian. It could be a black man, white man, going to, to minister to someone of a different race. The Bible says in, it, in our story here, look at verse um, 33. It says, then a despised Samaritan came along. A despised a, 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 a Samaritan. This Jewish man that was on the ground in normal life would not associate with a Samaritan. The Samaritan could have left him there and said, it serves you right. They should have beat you a little bit more. You and I are challenged every single time, every single day, with the decisions that we make. Are we going to make decisions based on our Christianity? Are we going to be making decisions based on our uh, our flesh? A despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. But you say, well, yeah, yeah, that's a good Christian thing. Anybody can do that part. But the next couple of steps that he did was above and beyond what he was called to do. Notice what it says there. Then he put the man on his own donkey. Now, we don't do donkeys around here. So let's say he put, his, put the man in his BMW. Leather seats. And imagine you're standing there and you're thinking... Bloody, dirty man, leather seats. Leather seats, bloody man. Leather seats. Some of, us, some of us would have said, leather seats. But he takes the man and put him in his car. And, and the Bible says, notice what it says here. And, and, and puts him on a donkey and took him to an inn, which was like, a, in those days, it was like a hospital, and, and where he took care of him. So when we say love is, 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 is not, is not, uh, uh, is not effortless, well, what do I say? If we say love is, is effortless, the idea here is this. You will have to go out of your way to walk in the love of Christ. He takes the man to the hospital and he looks after the man with his own, with his, with, personally, he looks after the man. And notice how it gets better. Then he says... The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins. In the Amplified Bible, it it talks about two days' wager. He took out two paydays of his his money and two days' wager and gave it to the innkeeper. Did you hear what I said? Two days' wager. Two. He took two day's wager. He took his own money. Some of us are sitting back and say, what? We would have walked by and said, first of all, I don't know you. You're not my blood relative. You've never done anything for me before. Why should I pay my money 
to help you get healed. See, that's the love of a Christian. The love of a Christian is able to go above and beyond what he or she would do and is able to allow this kind of love to cost you something. Love is not effortless. It will cost us something. Notice what it says there. Uh, 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 verse 35. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of the man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. This Samaritan was such a man of integrity that the innkeeper was willing to wait and, and for him to come around the next time if he had more to pay. He, he clearly wasn't from New York. Someone says, I'll, I'll give you the money when I come back. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You may get hit by a car. You may not come back. Pay me now. But this kind of love is willing to give. This kind of love is willing to sacrifice and put effort. If you don't put effort, then it's not love. It's not love. So the first step that we know right away is love is not effortless. Point two. And the funny thing about point two is this. I was in the first seven this morning, and there was a guy right up front, and he was doing this. And as soon as I said point two, and I said what point two said, he did this. Point number two. Love is not sex. Did he just say the S word? Yes, I did. Love is not sex. You know, uh, the reason why we talk about this in, in church nowadays, I don't know if anyone's my age, but 40, 50, 40 years ago, not 50, 40 years ago, they weren't talking about this thing in church. 40 years ago, we, were, we, we church kids at that time, we were getting ourselves in all kinds of trouble. Because I would go to my mother, and, 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 and back in those days, you didn't talk about these things. If you talked about it, you got a slap around the head. So I went to my mother and said, Ma, uh, uh, I know we have babies, but how, how does it come about? And she said, shut up, boy. When you get older, I'll tell you about it. And then I got old enough, and you know, it, it, the, the raging hormones start going, and I'm 14 and 15, and, 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 and I go back to my mother, and my mother says, well, 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 well uh, uh, you're not old enough yet. And then she got to the place where one day she said to me, well, well, just forget about it. Sex is nasty. It's bad. It, it, it is wrong. And I'm thinking in my head, if it was so wrong, then how did you have me? <laughs> but I didn't tell my mother because she would slap me again. You know, the, the, we don't talk about those things. And we, keep, and we get in, uh, in ourselves in all kinds of situations. And, 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 and finally, because uh, I, I went to an all-boys school in England. And I was there for 10 years, and, and for the first, from my elementary all the way up to 8th grade, everything was fine because I went to an all-boys school, and I didn't have any problems with girls. Then the money ran out. I had to go back home, and, 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 and my mother said, well, you can't be, I can't put you in a private school. I'm going to put you in a mixed school now, and you will be there with girls. And I, and I thought, mm, no big deal. 
And I got to, I got to school the first morning, and, and, and but when I came back home, the accent in my mouth, the British accent was so heavy and strong. And for the first time, I sat in class with girls. And I was sweating bullets. And because I had a heavy accent, the, the girls would ask me some stupid question. Uh, how blue is the sky? Something stupid, you know, something. Because all they wanted to hear me talk. And I would talk that British English and, well, thou fullest And they would go, oh, And I would get so embarrassed, I'll, I'll get my handkerchief out and I'll, and I'll be swimming. And then another girl said, ask him another question, ask him another question. And stupid me, I kept answering the questions. And every time I answer the questions, he sounds so proper. But I was taught by my mother, sex is bad, sex is bad. Don't look at them, don't look at them. And then one day, <laughs> I found out, and I went home, and I said, Mother, you lied to me. It is fantastic. She almost wanted to kill me. But, but our generation, we didn't want to talk about it. We didn't want to talk about it. I remember when I first got married to my wife, and my wife would say to me, honey, do you love me? And I would say, baby, of course I love you. We made love last night, and you said it was great. And she said, yeah, yeah, it was great. I enjoyed it. But, 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 but when was the last time you washed the dishes? When was the last time you changed the baby's diapers? When was the last time you helped me with the laundry? I said, woman, you know I'm African, right? <laughs> me, Tarzan, you, Jane. <laughs> but we have, we have this weird understanding that, that, and that's why we say, love is not sex. If the only thing you have is, is that, if that's your definition, you're going to run into trouble because that won't last. The first attraction is physical and, 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 and you say, well, pastor, he's, he's lovely. He's got lovely hair. He, he's, he's got a job, job, pastor. He's got a job and, and he's got cars and he's got that and, and he's got eight packs and, and all those other things. But it doesn't matter. And so when people come up to me and say, Pastor, I, I, I've fallen out of love. It's because the only love they knew was the heiress love. They had no agape and they had no flail. And I meet people all the time that say, Pastor, I'm under so much pressure. I, I, I go on a date. And the guy takes me out and, and, he, and he takes me to the movies. And we go watch the movies. Then he, he takes me to McDonald's. Oh, great, but he takes me to McDonald's and, and he, he gives me he gives me a thing and, and, and when we're going home, I feel this pressure that I need to put out. I need to give him a kiss. I need to give him something. And, and, and I say to the girl, the only thing, if you felt that much pressure, then take out the $50 in your pocket and give it to him and say thank you. But love is not sex. 
We confuse it. And if you do that, you will, you will never be able to evaluate someone. And so all this thing about love and all this thing, listen to me carefully, young adults, listen to me carefully. When your heart has been broken enough times, when you feel used, And when you feel that there's nothing left, that's the time you'll come to your senses and say, well, there's got to be something more and deeper than this thing. But love is not sex. The good thing about it, there's a story in, in, in Genesis chapter 39, and, and it's one of those stories that uh, it, it may not sound cool to a lot of people, but it's the story of Joseph. You remember the story of Joseph? The Bible says Joseph was a slave in Egypt, but he was the best slave. The Bible says Joseph represented God well in Egypt, so well that God blessed him. The lesson for you and I is this, no matter where you are in life, it is never an excuse not to be a Christian. Because God knows how to bless you, even as a slave. That's why when you go to work tomorrow morning, the reason why your, work, your job or your, your boss should prosper is because you're there. Well, Pastor, I'm the only Christian there. You're supposed to be the only Christian there. But the reality is that we get to, to uh, Genesis chapter 39, and Joseph is in the house of Potiphar, and, he's being, and God is blessing him left and right, and he's doing all these things for the kingdom of God. And, and God keeps blessing him. And all of a sudden, one day, Potiphar's wife... Lays her eyes on him. Listen to me carefully. When someone's ugly, it's not a temptation. <laughs> temptation becomes a temptation if it's fabulous and it's something that you would want. So when people come up to me and say, well, the reason why Joseph ran is because she was ugly. Listen to me carefully. Potiphar's wife was a knockout, breakdown, choo-choo. <laughs> she was beautiful. And notice what it says there about Joseph. Drop your eyes down to verse 6 of Genesis chapter 39. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph, there, with Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Then the Bible says Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Joseph, from the outside... It's every girl's dream. Tall, dark, and handsome. Just like me. I mean, sure. sure. <laughs> I got to keep the flesh down every now and then. And there was something about Joseph that was different than all the other servants. What was it? Joseph was not only handsome on the inside, he was handsome on the inside. Uh, on the outside, he was handsome on the inside. And you guys know, when someone has good character, caring and thoughtful, 
Potiphar thought he Potiphar's wife thought, here is a man that I have never had in my life before. He's probably better than my husband. He has such good character that even the God that we don't know is blessing us because of him. And so Potiphar's wife, bold, bold as a lion, just like some of our teenage girls now and our young adult girls. I don't care what you say. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind anytime. Potiphar's wife came up to him and said, Joseph, sleep with me. That's when you know what kind of Christian you are. And so she says, sleep with me. And, 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 and reality of this is it. Nobody would have known if Joseph had done it. Nobody would have known. You know how you and I are good at covering things up when we don't want people to see it? So you know what we're talking about. Nobody would have known. The only person that would have known would have been God. It's just like David's story. When David slept with Bathsheba, nobody would have known that anything happened except Bathsheba got pregnant. Nobody would have known. But Joseph turns around to, to Potiphar's wife and says, your master has given me everything. He has elevated me and given me everything and everything is under my command and the only thing that is not available to me is you. And then he says, how can I do this thing to my God? Listen to me carefully. The real kind of love has its roots in the love of God. The reason why we do the things we're doing is because you and I should be so in love with Jesus. That's why I say no to you. Not because I don't want to. But the love of Jesus on the inside of me compels me to say no. Love is not sex. It's much deeper from that. It's much deeper. Because when you see some of the things I was talking about in the first service, uh, Jim Bennett and some of the old timers were here in the first service. And I, and, I, and, I see, and I said to them, when love can last 40 and 50 years, that's love. You can never know what love is at 16. And believe me, we all tried. But that kind of love that will take you from 23 years old to 85 years old has to be rooted in the love of God. That's why when we see old people kissing, you know, one wrinkled mouth to another wrinkled mouth. Do you understand? And you think, oh, how cute. Do you think they got there by accident? No, they came through pain. They came through disappointments. They came through different things in their lives. But they made a commitment because I am so in love with Jesus. I'm going to be committed to this. So here's the question I want to ask you this morning. What kind of love do you have? You see, the, the, the thing I wrote down here when I, when I was preparing for this is this. Love is not sex, but sex is an amazing expression of true love. 
because it's just part of love. So we say love is 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 love is not love is not love is not effortless. Love is not sex. And the last point I want to make this this afternoon is this: love is not self-sustainable. The love of God, the, this kind of love we're talking about, it will not. You, you cannot do it on your own effort. If you do it on your own effort, you'll get tired. So when people say, I, I, Pastor, I, I ran out of love, they're not talking about this kind of love. They're talking about the human love. I've won dry. Because, Pastor, I, I don't know. I don't feel the spark anymore. I, I don't feel the the, the oomph when I first met her. She, she doesn't wow me like you are. And this is 10 years later, and, and, and nothing's on the inside of me. Pastor, she's not the same. And a lot of times I've got to turn around and say, Guys, have you looked in the mirror lately? You're not the same. But if your love doesn't go from Eris to Agape to filial love, you will never be committed. And so we're living in a society right now that nobody is no longer committed to anything. We're not committed to our Christian walk. We're not committed to our, our work. We're not committed to our relationships and our friendships. We're not committed to our marriages. We're not committed to our church. We're not committed to anything. Because why? Because we don't understand love. And that's why sometimes when we come into, the, into, into church and, and we talk about the love of God, that how Jesus loves us unconditionally, we can't get our minds around it because he loves us even when we are unlovable. I was talking to, a, 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 in the first service, there was a couple here from uh, uh, California. They're missionaries. And we're talking about this, this, that love does, is not self-sustaining. It, the love of God on the inside will stir you up to do things that you would not naturally do on your own self. So here's this couple that was sitting on the front row. They're from California. And, and the woman is beautiful. She's about 23. And the guy's handsome. He's about 24. And I'm thinking California. You're from California. It is surfing and, 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 and pita coladas and, 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 and sunshine and, and making money. And, or I can be a model. They could have been anything in this life. But the woman said at eight years old, she felt the call of God. At eight years old, that's why they're over there at the children's service right now talking to your children. Eight years old, she said she heard the call of God because something on the inside stirred her up so much that she was willing to give up everything. She gave up the prospect of, 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 of a dating and boyfriend and everything because she said she felt the call of God so strong in her life that she was willing to trust God with everything, including the person that would come into her life. And, and they came and spoke to us during our chapel with, with the pastors uh, on Tuesday. And, and she said, uh, after a while, God started to move her and God gave her a, a calling to go to Zaire. Zaire is in Central Africa. It's now called the Democratic Republic of Congo. And they were called to go to the eastern side of Congo. And if you know anything about what world events and what's happened over there for the last couple of years, the Congo is like the rape capital of the world. 
And the cities that they were being called to is one of the most dangerous places. And, and she was sitting in, the, in our staff meeting and saying, I used to cry. And I used to say, God, send me. Send me to those warlords. Send me to those... And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, she's got to be crazy. But what would make someone with all these potentials in America leave the comforts of here and go to a place that could easily hurt them? It was the love of God. And that's why when God calls us to love, it is not this surface love. It is an unsustainable love that can only be sustained by God. And they've got up and they've gone and God has used them in so many miraculous ways and, and Pastor Steve is developing a friendship and a relationship with them and, and we'll see where everything goes. But the reality, I, I sat back and I listened to these things and I started to think to myself, what kind of Christian am I? Am I willing to give up anything? Am I ready to sacrifice anything? Am I ready to understand what it means to be a Christian and walk in the love of God and let that translate into any relationships I may come into? Because guys, if we don't understand the love of God and if we don't operate as Christians in the love of God, listen to me carefully, every relationship you'll get into will be heartbreaking. It'll be heartbreaking. Because you'll be judging love from a wrong, wrong place. And we, as I said before, if, and when you've had your heart broken enough times, that's when you will set it, settle down and say, okay, God, let me do it your way. But it's not easy. It's not easy sitting back and say, God, because you love me so much and died for me, I'm going to rest my future and my life in your hand. And I'm going to go about doing all the things you want me to do. I'm going to go get my education. I'm going to go get my career. I'm going to go get the things that you want me to I'm going to press hard after the things of God. And I'm going to trust you that in the fullness of time, you will bring into my life the right relationships. Well, pastor, God takes too long. And if God will move a little faster, then I could wait for him. And I'm thinking about that couple that had gone to Congo and, 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 we're, and we're, we're afraid in America and concerned about, you know, what's going to happen next and when, when these terrorist attacks are going to happen, when all these things, and we're thinking of all those things and, and, the, and the word that came up on, on, the, on my, the inside of my spirit was this. The most dangerous place to be is to be where God has not called you to be. The most dangerous place to be it's to be in the place where God has not called you to be. But the most protective place to be is to be where exactly where God called you to be. So the question I ask you is this, why are you at Bethlehem? Why are you in New York City at this time? And I will submit to you the reasons why we're here at this time. Listen to me carefully. God trusts you. I want you to think about that a little bit. Do you know the reason why you're here in New York City is because God trusts you? 
God can look down and he says, I know if I plant my, my, my Christians in this city at this particular time, the glitter of New York City, the temptation, the pull, and all these things that happen in New York City will not discourage them from becoming a Christian in New York City. If you can be a Christian in New York, you can be a Christian anywhere. And if God didn't trust you to be in New York, you'll be in Mississippi somewhere. Ain't nothing wrong with Mississippi. And so if God has placed you here, it's because he knows he has put things in you that will allow you to be victorious and a Christian in New York. The most dangerous place to be is the place that God hasn't called you to be. But if you're in a place where he's called you to be, that's where your provision will be. That's where your protection will be. That's where your great fulfillment will be. So, how do you handle this kind of messages? How do you look at these things and say, okay, uh, uh, okay, pastor, you're talking about what love is not, but how, how does that apply to me? How can I manage my life now? When you hear a message like this, you go back and you evaluate. And first of all, you evaluate your Christian life. Am I walking in the love of God? Is my love towards people conditional? Do I pick and choose who I will love and who I won't love? And in my relationships, does the person really love me? Or does the person only loves me because of what I can give him or give her? I told one, I told one um, young adult when we were talking one time, I said, do you know one way to measure if someone loves you? And he said, Pastor, tell me, tell me, tell me. How can I know if someone really loves me? I said, stop having sex with them. Ow. Mm. 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 Tell me something different, Pastor. <laughs> Tell me something more profound. Because a lot of times we don't like to hear truth. And so we make these things up in our minds. And then we get afraid. But pastor, if I do that, uh, uh, I'll never find anybody. Yeah, that may be true. But how much do you trust God? See, so some of us, we say, well, God, you can have all these other parts of my life, but when it comes to this part of my life, I'll take care of it. And God being the gentleman he is, he'll say, yes, okay, go ahead. And once you've messed it up enough, and when you come back, he'll say, you know what? I could have taken care of that as well. And so the reason why we talk this way, and, and the reason why we don't mince our words, and, and the reason why we don't hover around things and, and, and talk about the sun and the moon. You remember when I was growing up, you know, they, used to, they were trying to describe something to me, where it's like the sun and the moon. 
what are you saying? The reason why we try to be direct and straight, and, and because listen to me carefully, truth will save you. And the Bible says in the last days, people will not want to hear the truth anymore. And they will get people around them that will tell them exactly what they want to hear and tickle their ears. And you've heard me say it before, everything that comes from this pulpit, we... I would much rather tell you the truth and you hate me than tickle your ears and you get brokenhearted. And so we take these things like this and we evaluate everything and say, God, okay, I'm understanding that what I have defined to be love before is no longer love based on what the Word of God says and I choose to believe the truth of the Bible over what everybody else says. Listen to me, Christian. You and I have choices to make. We got choices. But at the end of the day, the only person you will be able to blame will be yourself. God loves you. God thinks highly of you. And God wants to give us a life that is well balanced. But love is not effortless. Love is not sex. Oh, oh, oh yes, it is an expression of it. You know, as I said before, love is not sex, but, it, but sex is an amazing expression of committed love. Amazing. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to tell you what my mother told me. So you can come back and say, Pastor, you're a liar. If you lied to me there, what else are you lying to me about? It's fabulous. In the right committed relationship. Well, Pastor, my boyfriend's committed to you, right? Does he put a ring on your finger? No, 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 but he's committed. He said he's committed. Ladies, we will tell you anything. Even if your wig is falling off, we'll say it's beautiful. We will tell you anything you want to hear. And we will sing you lullabies. Your ones. Twice, three times a lady, and I love you. Yes, you once, twice, and we will even fall on our knees. Three times a lady, and I love you. I love you. And you're thinking, oh, oh, Samantha, Samantha. Do you know what he did? He brought.
brought me a rose. It was in his mouth and he fell down to one knee and he serenaded me. You fool. When you've been together 20 years and he's still doing that, then you know you're in love. So love is not effortless, it's not, love is not sex, and love is not self-sustaining. The only way you can be able to identify love is that you have to be walking in true love. You can't have what you're not. And you can't know what is true until you're walking in it. And so I say to my boys, you can love anybody. I don't care who they are. But do they love Jesus? Oh, pastor. Oh, they don't call me pastor. Dad. Dad. Why does you always have to be a Christian? Why can't I just find nice looking one? Because, <laughs> and some of you better stay away from my sons, all right? Uh, let me tell you now. Because you got to come see me. Just joking, just joking. I'm not really joking, I'm serious, actually. But the, the, our responsibility as parents is to raise up young men. And I have two boys. And, and the other day, someone saw me, uh, someone has, hadn't seen us for a while, and, 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 and they said, man, your sons are handsome. Well, I said, they come from mine, loins, so how wouldn't they be handsome? <laughs> but the reality of this is this. Your life can be beautiful in every area of your life. But if you make this mistake, life becomes a living hell. So let's wrap this up this morning or this afternoon. The reality of it is this. Love is not effortless. No, it will take work. It will take work. I don't let anybody lie to you. It will take work. Love is not sex because that's not the only thing about life. And love is not self-sustainable. If God doesn't give you the strength to be able to love properly, you're not going to be able to make it. So don't lower your standard for anybody. You are priceless. When I see some of the young girls here, you are beautiful. You are elegant. Walk like a lady. Guys, some of you are, you, you are good looking. Don't be a fool. Wait for the right one. And this is what I say to people all the time. Better to be miserable and alone than to be miserable with somebody. That's just a disaster. So let's, let's stand to our feet this morning, this afternoon. I want you to look at me one minute. I want you to take your hand and put it on your heart. Put your hand on your heart. Listen to me carefully. Your heart can only take so much trauma. 
Do you understand me? Your heart can only take so much. If you keep letting your heart be broken over and over and over and over and over and over again, there comes a time that people start to think life is not worth living. If you keep putting your heart in situations that, keep, that someone keeps stamping on it, plucking at it, beating it up, taking, no advantage, taking a total advantage of it, if you keep letting your heart be broken over and over again, it will destroy you. I want you to repeat after me. Father, I give you my heart. Guide me by your spirit. As a Christian, guide me in my relationships. Guide me in the direction of my future. Guide me with the people that come into my life. Help me not to be stupid when it comes to love. Help me to evaluate the love of God should first be in my heart so I can see what true love is. Love is not effortless. Love is not sex. Love is not self-sustainable. You know what the Bible says about it? At the end when everything's said and done. The Bible says there remains but three things. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here this afternoon. I thank you that you have a plan for each of our lives. I thank you, Father, that we will learn to love you with all our heart, soul, and strength. And then out of that love, we will be able to identify the loves that we have in our relationships. And we will find contentment in you before we find contentment in the arms of someone else. So Lord, we surrender ourselves to you this afternoon. Use this word. Help us evaluate. Help us straighten our minds and thoughts up. And then give us the courage to trust you in every area of our lives. And Lord, we'll continue to give you all the praise. We'll continue to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you next week.